What is up? Welcome to the SEC Podcast on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I'm Jim Johnson, the editor of southernpigskin.com, and joining me, Southern Pigskin contributor, former Florida Gator All-American Ben Troop. Ben, what's up? Man, just enjoying the day, looking forward to some of these coaching surges finally coming to an end, and some are just beginning, I guess. Yeah, um, as a Florida alum, obviously, I think that's the best starting point. It seems like a foregone conclusion almost that at the end of the day, it's going to be Chip Kelly at the Gators. I mean... Before I share my thoughts, what are your general impressions of of, of Kelly and and his fit at, in in Gainesville? This goes back to when uh, BJ Bennett, uh, you know, who wrote a uh, a nice piece on yeah. Chip Kelly on SouthernPigskin.com. He was talking about Chip Kelly potentially being the best hire for Florida. I thought it was I thought it was far fetched because I, I didn't even think he was going to be on the radar. But when you look at some of these offense, high-powered offenses that go on in college football right now, some of those people got birthed through the Chip Kelly era. The people just aren't going to give credit or credence to this guy. But, yes, I, and I, when you look at how bad – I can't even use the word bad – how awful, catastrophic, just the <laughs> absolute worst this uh, Florida offense has been. Not just, and, and listen, and this goes back – well past even McElwain, even in the Muschamp era, you've been trying to find a way to get his offense going. Chip Kelly is a guy that I think is going to definitely come in knowing that he's going to have a high-powered offense. It's, I don't know how well that's going to do for the defense because you're going to try to score so fast. But Strickland knew, athletic director Strickland knew that he's going to have to get a you know a surefire win, which we don't know how it's going to be. But so far, so good. I think uh, I, I'm liking it right now because I know what he's brought in to do. But I'm really I'm interested to see who he's going to bring in on his staff defensively, you know, to try to keep that defensive uh, you know uh, product going at Florida. Well, one thing I've heard people talk about: how, how do you feel? Because Florida defensively, look, this year it hasn't actually been that great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ones are still pretty strong, but there's not a lot of depth, and that's probably in large part due to the suspensions a number of reasons really the Florida's defense has taken a step back but historically even while the offense has struggled over the past few seasons the defense has been really good do you see Kelly or do you think he should at least I'm not I'm not asking you to prognosticate but do you think he should retain any of those defensive either position coaches or retain um, Shannon or, or do you have to kind of clean house? I think you have to clean house because whenever you whenever you keep some guys from the old regime behind, they're going to always be in your ear about how we used to do things. These are things that used to work when but you got a whole new staff that's coming and understanding, look, this is how Chip wants to do it. This is how he's going to do it. And the great thing about be, I, I would think being coached on a guy like Chip Kelly, the defensive coordinator is going to be left alone. You're going to be left alone to go over there and just run your side of the football because he's going to be so focused on the offensive side. So while keeping some of the old staff would be good, I just think that if you're gonna if you're gonna clean house, clean house. Let everybody start off fresh. I mean, I do feel bad for guys like Randy Shannon, Chris Rump, and those guys with the defensive line because they do a good sure. job. And some of them recently signed extensions. That, but I just think that you do have to clean house because. Whenever you leave something old behind, you're gonna still have that old, you know, cliche of this is how we used to do things, Coach Chip, and you don't want to have that in here. And then they saying that Chip Kelly's supposed to be signing a six-year deal, so they definitely, you know, uh, giving this guy a lot of free, you know, uh, a lot of like leeway to go out there and you know do it his way. Yeah, I, I, I feel like those guys that have done a good job at Florida will land on their feet. I'm not too concerned about them. I mean, they'll they'll get good jobs elsewhere. I really liked it. I agreed with BJ as soon as he put that story out. I was like, yep, Chip Kelly's the guy. If they can get him, I didn't know how feasible that was. Obviously, it looks like that is what is going to come to fruition. Um, I mean, for the people who were in the Scott Frost camp, I totally get that. I think Scott Frost is a really good coach. He's done an incredible job at Central Florida. 
but he's a Chip Kelly protege. He is. Why get the you know why <laughs> why get the the acorn when you can get the whole tree, right? I of mean, course, of I, course. I think, why, you I know? think Chip Kelly's going to do a pretty incredible job. I'm I'm excited to see that offense because at, at Oregon he was basically just recruiting like these kind of forgotten three stars that can run well out of you know Texas and California. Mm-hmm. At Florida, which is quite frank, probably one of the two, maybe the three best jobs in the country in the most or in the biggest recruiting hotbed in the nation with basically unlimited resources. I don't know how he can't succeed. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what I was. That's what I be trying to, uh, you know, get a lot of people to realize is the fact that like, Florida has unlimited everything. When people get to talking about what do you have at your disposal, I got everything. I mean, I can. I got the best recruits in the country come out of the state of Florida every single year, and I got. I control one portion of the state now. You know, with with the you know with the resurgence of Miami, I don't know how you know that's going to play into. You know, because, listen, visualization is everything. Perception is reality. Right now, Miami is a good team. But I think if I'm an offensive guy and I want to play in a high-powered offense, it's going to really – it's really going to, you know, like highlight everybody's talents, especially if you play on the perimeter. Because let's face it, when you look at Florida, what they have been lacking, perimeter play. Haven't been able to get the ball to the guys on the outside at all. I think when you got a high-powered offense, it's going to bode well for a lot of these young guys coming out that's wanted that say, listen, I want to go into offense that's going to feature – what I do, I think that's going to bode well for Florida. I think that Strickland understood, too. Look, man, this is going to be your first hire. It has to be a big one. And, yeah, I'm happy that, you know, uh, he is going after a guy like Chip Kelly. But you got to address his offense. And I do think that for these guys that's coming out right now, even the guys that's already signed with Florida, I, I think that early signing period is another reason why Strickland got to jump on it. Now that December 20th signing period period is coming very, very rapidly, and you want to keep some of those key guys that's already signed, even if they were coming, thinking that it was going to be coached under McElwain. Yeah, and I think he did hit a home run with, with Kelly. I mean, somebody, somebody uh, I remember when the McElwain initially got fired and people started talking about potential replacements, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of voiced my agreement with BJ. Someone reached out to me on Twitter and was like, you know, is this going? How is the current personnel going to fit in? Is it going to be kind of a long rework or a long rebuild for Kelly? And and my general thinking there was, if you're going to pass up on the opportunity to make the best coaching hire that I think was available at this point, and I I think that is Chip Kelly for someone who maybe is a better initial personnel fit than your team deserves to lose in the future. That was just my thing. So I think it's going to work out for Florida. I, that that has the that has some juggernaut potential. Oh yeah, yeah, going yeah. Forward. Of course. I mean, and and listen, and and when you think about it, the one thing that a trigger a hire like Chip Kelly is a guy like Kirby Smart. Look, what Kirby Smart is not a, you know, he's a Georgia alum, but he was people was thinking he was replacing the best coach to ever come through Florida. I mean, ever come through Georgia. Yeah. And but he's right now so far so good. When you look at a team like Florida, I think Strickland understood. Look, man, take nothing away from Ron Zook, take nothing away from McElwain, take nothing away from Muschamp. You can't just go get upstarts at schools like Florida. It can't be an upstart. It can't be a guy that we hope that can make it happen. It has to be a guy that has a pedigree that's coming, that has some stripes on the wall that people know. And then they have to be recognizable nationally. The people go, oh, I know who Chip Kelly is. No one knew who Ron Zook was. No one knew who McElwain – they knew who McElwain was from a standpoint of what he did as a coordinator position, but Lane Kiffin was the best offensive coordinator 
that Alabama ever had. Where is he? He's at FIU. I mean, FAU right now. So I just think that Strickland, because this, and this is one person I got to say that, that people forget. What does Strickland have at his disposal? He has Jeremy Foley still in the front office, still working as a consultant. He goes, look. You want to take my advice? You got to get a rock star. You just have to. I know people thinking, Dan Mullen, coming from Mississippi State, the ties. Mm-mm. Oh, what about Frost? Mm-mm. Because Chip Kelly, you don't got to justify it. Every other coach you would have brought in, you would have had to justify what it is. I think he hit a home run. I mean, we still got to see the product on the field, but I think he's definitely hit a home run with Chip Kelly. Yeah, I'm, I, I think this is awesome. Um Tennessee, a little more up in the air right now. Uh, let's start off with John Gruden because, <laughs> while that's not going to happen, we yeah. can go ahead and get that yeah. out of the way. Y- you played for him. I did. Um, I, I, do you even like the dude hasn't had a thing to do, a thing in the world to do with college football since 1991? Yeah. Is is uh, what I'm having a hard time with is why Tennessee fans want him so bad, just aside from the fact that it's impossible and it's not going to happen, uh, you know what, you why know do they what? want him so bad? Well, I, I think it's a naiveness coming from the t- you know Tennessee Vol Nation. I mean, I think they look at themselves kind of like a Florida or a Georgia, like we can get anybody we want, but you can't. You can't get anybody you want. You got the money to get them, but I think it goes back to you know something that we were talking about. You know, me, you, and BJ be talking about it. Certain jobs aren't as attractive as people think they are. You, the only people that understand the tradition that, that went to Tennessee aren't the current crop of players or co- the coaches. Do the players don't? So, and I think that. I think they just throw that out there to make Tennessee Vols Nation think, at least we're trying. Like, I, I don't want you guys to th- because who we're going to get, you're probably not going to like. So let us say we went after uh, John Gruden. And John Gruden was the first person to say, listen, I'm not interested. Like, let me just go ahead and put that out there. Like, <laughs> I got 8.5 million reasons in 17 weeks to let you know I'm not. But I just think that just like Florida has been trying to replace, you know, Tim Tebow and, and Urban Meyer and Coach Sp- – well, really Urban Meyer – they say, listen, we we trying to get us a Philip Foreman, and that's hard. I know somebody go, well, go. Somebody said, well, just go get John Gruden. No, it's it's like, no. And and the thing is, and the thing is too. Like think about it. If, we, if we're Vols fans, it makes us feel good to know at least they tried. Like at least they offered him. Well, they can offer anybody. I mean, they can offer you know. They offer Saban. Yeah, offer they, yeah, yeah you can offer Lou Holtz. You well. want to coach again? You know, they can go offer, you know, Coach Bobby Bowden. But the, oh, but the thing is, can you legitimately get him? So I, I, I feel for Vols Nation because while it is a good coaching job, I think the greatness of it has lost its muster because they let too many years go by without addressing it. And, and at a certain point, people start saying, well, it's Tennessee. And now – Tennessee, you really got to compete with Vanderbilt. You really got to compete with Memphis for recruits now. Where before that wasn't even a question. So I, I do think they got to get somebody like maybe like a Dan Mullen, who I think is. I was gonna say I, you think he's the best case. Scenario? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the best case scenario for them is Dan Mullen. They yeah. can go tell Dan Mullen, listen, man, why you done a great job at you know Mississippi State. You're never gonna win anything outside of going to a bowl game. You come to the East. You a couple of you know plays away from winning the East because while Georgia is good right now, this is a sample size of you know the second year of what you know, and obviously the rest of the year is going to tell. But Florida is still you know you know depending on how the offense get going, Missouri right now is you know really showing that they're not going to just lay down. So I think because the East is so wide open with Georgia being the obvious best team front runner right now, you are a coach away a play away. So if I'm Dan Muller, I'm saying why not. Yeah, I mean, my thinking with the Tennessee thing, again, John Gruden totally aside because oh, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, 
you're going to want someone with, I think, an offensive background at this point because that's just been, I mean, that kind of, it's been such a disaster for the past few years. I mean, really, this year has just been atrocious, and yeah. I feel like to reinvigorate that fan base, like, you can go get a defensive guy, sure, and maybe that guy is on par just in a vacuum with some of the offensive guys as far as head coaches go, mm-hmm. but I think in order to buy yourself a little leeway with the fan base, with the boosters, and reinvigorate a program that has you know really just been beaten up over the past few months, few years, really, you need someone who's going to come in and inject some inci- excitement yes. into the offense, who's going to put some points on the board. Even if you're not getting wins right away, you need something to be excited about. You want it to be fun, at least, early on. So I think Mullen can do that. Yes, he can. I agree with you that he's the best-case scenario. I don't know how feasible that is. If they can, I mean, I would offer him the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, I would, I would treat Butler just like yeah. a Chip Kelly. I mean, if I'm, if I'm Tennessee, I'm treating him just like a – because the thing is, too, it's going to be – Whoever gets that Tennessee position is going to be in an unfair position because McIlwain is coming off two years winning the East. Well, Georgia's going to win the East this year. Tennessee hasn't. Tennessee has been the one talked about. Well, they're going to do it. Going to do it. Going to do it. Has a surface. So whoever's in that position has to one understand what it is to coach in the SEC, the SEC. Two, understand I got to be able to get these recruits to come in and want to come to Tennessee. And I think Dan Mullen, because he coached it, because he was OC of Florida, because of what he's done, he actually got best of both worlds because I've been out there in the West. I've been in Mississippi. I've been in Florida. I know about this recruiting bed. I know what it takes to get players in. And dual threat quarterbacks are really becoming, a, you know, you know, one of the nuances of football. Now, you want a oh, guy that can do it both with his legs yeah. and with his arm. Well, who, who's going to listen? Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, who got a better resume as far as like who's they've coached? Dan Dan Mullen, that would be nobody. So I think Dan Mullen is who I would go after, and I would and, it's, and I would be just frank about it. Look, we going after Mullen. I don't care who knows. That's who we going after because for one, I think the ego of Dan Mullen or any head coaches. Listen, man, how do I really stack up? Like, can I really do it? Like, yeah, I've done a good job. I mean, I've done. Maybe this is a ceiling. I've, I've broken through the ceiling of Mississippi State. I can't get any higher than this, but. In the East, I got a chance to really compete for championships. So I think it's a I think if I'm Dan Mullen, even though I would have loved to coach in Florida again, because let's face it, man, people wants to they want to coach at the same place they was coordinators at, I would love to compete against them. So I, I would hope Dan Mullen would even consider it because as great as he is, he's only he's only gonna be a great subpar great coach at a subpar school, no matter what, until he goes to a school like Tennessee. Yeah. Um I'll be honest, I think I think you're gonna end up looking at a second tier higher and I think the smart money's like I would if I had to bet on it, I would probably lean Mike Norvell from Memphis who Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is good with quarterbacks he and is, he would he inject is. some fun into the offense, but honestly, and you mentioned this earlier, based on knowledge of and well, to be fair, I think Norvell could recruit the area. He's at Memphis right now. He mm-hmm. knows the region mm-hmm. from his time as a player as well. But Mike Bobo who Came up under Mark Rick. He's out as a head coach at Colorado State right now. A little more experienced, I yes. think. Not a ton more than Norvell, but a little more, and that probably matters. But I think his experience as a coach in the SEC yes. would probably actually maybe make that transition a little easier than Norvell. So I would lean Bobo if I was in if I was John Curry, um, and just could go get any of one I wanted of the second tier. Obviously, again, Mullen's the first choice. But I would lean Bobo. Over if Bobo Norvell, is a second, if Bobo is a second I, choice, that's about the best second tier. Well, you're gonna get. I'm, 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 I say it from this standpoint. When you come to the SEC, you got to know 
where to recruit and how to get them. Bobo knows how to do that. And and anybody you bring from the outside, they'll think, well, this is Tennessee. Like, yeah, but this ain't the Tennessee you remember. This ain't the Peyton Manning Tennessees no more. You know, this this not those Tennessees anymore. And I, I just I just think that, you know, the T Martin days of the world, while you can get back to that, you you got to make Tennessee attractive enough that people wanna come. I mean, I remember the days of Dion Brand. I mean, uh 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 what is his name? Um, I don't, Eric Berry's of the world. They want to come to Tennessee. And this guy was an Atlanta product. Snatched him. The Deion Grants of the world. Now it's, I, do I really have to wait to see who Vanderbilt or Memphis gets? And then I can try to go. So I, I do think that a guy like Mike Bobo, I'll, while he's not Dan Mullen, he understands the landscape. I always say that. When it comes to this, you got to understand the landscape of what you're up against. And we need to be able to get some big-time guys in here because – I'm going to tell you another person who don't get nothing. Joshua Dobbs, I don't think people appreciate what he did for them when he was there. Like, he covered up a lot <laughs> because one, like, people go, oh, well, DeAndre Francois, he only lost, you know, Florida State should be good. Yeah, but when you got that dynamic of a player, they cover up a lot of holes. Well, the holes have been exposed. Buzz Jones. I think they kept him maybe a, a year too long because that's one thing too. You got to be able to say reinvigorate the fan base, reinvigorate, reinvigorate these uh, recruits, and and you don't have the affordability that Florida had to say, look, man, this is still Florida. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. people still want to come to Tennessee. You on the east side of the state, but you have to recruit out of state to get guys. I think Bobo, if you can't get Mullen, I think that's who you go after. It's true, state lines matter. It's going to be hard. It it, it, it for. While they're close to a lot of recruiting hotbeds, Tennessee itself is not one, and, and state lines will, will always matter, yes. I, I think. Yes. But, um, yeah, I think ultimately you probably end up with Norvell, and it's probably <laughs> going to be hard to stomach for Tennessee fans hiring yeah. another group of five head coach after Butch Jones coming from Cincinnati. But I think that's just the reality of the situation right now, and it's important to make the right one and be realistic about where your program is. Um. What else? Those are those are the two that we kind of know yeah. are at least vacancies right now. I think we got a feeling about a couple others. Ole Miss, obviously, Matt Luke is yeah. in the interim. I don't expect him to keep that job. Yeah. Um, Arkansas with uh, athletic director Jeff Long, his dismissal. I would expect. Oh yeah. Any, job anybody that come under him? Up. Yes. That being a, yes. Um. Anywhere else we feel like? I mean, while I don't like it, I don't like the whole Kevin Sumlin thing, but it, it is it is That's out there. It is out there because, look, Kevin Sumlin has done an incredible job at, at Texas A&M, but he's been in a hot seat. Even 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 with the days of a Johnny Manziel, they were still talking because I believe they just think that, you know, he could do a better job than what he's doing, which I think he's doing a good job. I mean, if Kevin Sumlin does leave Texas A&M, I can see him voting, you know, for the league. I, I think I think that you know sometimes college football, you just you know you just get tired of it, when, especially when you've been as productive as he has been. But if he does get let go, I wouldn't be surprised because look, sometimes when you see what's going on around you, it makes you think that you could do better. Until you and then you you get you let go of that coach and realize we made a mistake. I think that I could see that being something because. Kirby Smart, man, look, people saying, look what he's doing. Chip Kelly's going to get hired. And the one thing people know is we still the SEC. We want one of those type of coaches. But you realize, dude, sometimes you work with what you got. Sumlin is a good coach. But I'll say this, bigger than them letting him go, who knows he, who even says he wants to be there anymore because you get tired of the hot seat every single year. And then you look around you and go, dude, I got to I got to complete with LSU, freaking Alabama, and I'm pretty good. 
So, I mean, while I while I think he will, will still be there, I still wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he decided to move on. Yeah, I don't really get this whole A&M thing. I mean, it may be good for him to get a change of scenery because I actually think that what he's done this year with the the young crop of talent they have, yes. like, this is a very young team, and they're winning games that they probably shouldn't be, quite oh, yeah. frankly. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think you got to keep him around with these guys because – there's a potential for, I think, a special team in a couple of years if they can kind of keep this core together. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would. You got a true freshman QB right now, right? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and, and does and doesn't get talked about enough. Like I got a true freshman QB. You know, he's not. Listen, he's not Jake Fromm, but he also don't have what Jake Fromm has around him with the supporting cast. But I'm still finding a way to be competitive. You know, in my, you know, so I, I. The, the the Sumlin one is always going to be a head scratcher because because I go, dude. Do you know? I don't think fan bases or even the outside world understands what good coaches look like. Well, anymore. it's easy to get greedy when you establish kind of a new normal for yourself. It's the same thing that happened to Mark Richt at Georgia when you you create the prism through which the fans view you mm-hmm. and you set a bar. You set a new bar. I mean, seriously, like in regards to Georgia and same at Texas A and M. These coaches have set a new standard for the expectations and now are the victims of the standard that they created themselves. Um, so aside from Texas A&M, I mean, let's just wrap up with a couple. I, I feel comfortable with Arkansas and Ole Miss saying yeah. that those guys are going to need replacements. Yeah. I mean, so that's four vacancies. That's well, that's four vacancies. Well, we're really five. five really five. Well, if we, yeah, if we're assuming, and I don't, I, let's if say four. Yeah. Let's say four for now. Yeah, four for now. And but I would say, I mean, you know what? If I'm Ole Miss, we were talking about this a little bit in the office yesterday. I'm gonna look at Lane Kiffin. I, I will listen, Ole Miss. If you're listening. Please get Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I mean, j- 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 listen, Lane Kiffin is great for college football in general. Lane Kiffin is, because the thing is this, I believe Lane Kiffin looks at it from a standpoint of, look, man, why can't coaches have fun? Why I got to be all super serious all the time, man? You got enough of those. His name is Nick Saban, okay? He's the super-duper serious, don't like to have fun. Lane Kiffin, but, but aside from his trolling, he's a good football coach. He's an what's, offensive genius. He is. Was, was, he, was he a great football coach for Tennessee? No. But they haven't had a great football well, he coach. He had one year. He was a one and done there. Like, but think I mean, about this. But think about this. They haven't had a great coach since Philip Fulmer. So, that, so he gets a mulligan for that. Number two, as far as people, people talking about great offensive minds, you got Lane Kiffin, you got Chip Kelly. You're not going to have a lot more than that. I'm talking about just offensive geniuses that can take any offense. Because no matter what, when Alabama had Lane Kiffin, dude, let me tell you something. They might have lost to Clemson, but Lane Kiffin also didn't coach that game. I believe if Lane Kiffin coaches in the national championship, they win that game because this dude just understand how to get the best out of these players. He knows schemes, you know. He knows all. So, and I think Ole Miss deserves that. When you look at what they had to go through, whenever it's a coach, I'm not, and I'm not down, and you know, I'm not uh, trying to come down on Hugh Freeze, but you set that, you set that whole program back. Because guys want to come there to get coached under you. I will hope that Ole Miss – and listen, because of guys like uh, because of guys like uh, Chip Kelly, I believe, you know, those splash guys, I would hope that Ole Miss goes down to get a Lane Kiffin because you know what? Lane Kiffin would say, yeah, man, Ole Miss in the West, let's do it. Why not? Even though, they, even though they're going to try to go the safe route. But, yeah, I will hope that Lane Kiffin will be a consideration because, look, offensive guy knows how to coach. Fun coach, young coach. 
I would say why not. Well, I think it's worth mentioning, too, that while Ole Miss tries to navigate this situation, Lane Kiffin has experience dealing with a program that's undergoing sanctions from the NCAA. His time at USC grants him some experience that really few, if any other coaches, like only a handful of people really have that experience dealing with NCAA sanctions, having to navigate your program through kind of muddy waters, and that matters. So aside from just his football coaching prowess, I think he's matured at least a little bit, and I know the trolling stuff is, is, you know, it's Well, yeah, yeah, it's just all the fun, of course, yeah. He's genuinely a very he's a brilliant offensive. And he mind. might and like you say, why you and that's a that's a good point. He has more experience than most of these guys that get considered over him because I go, look, I think about it. I got coached under Lane Kiffin when I was with the Oakland Raiders. And people go, but he wasn't there long. But yeah, but the experience see, look, coaches need experience in traumatic type ways. They need controversy and they need to be able to survive that and keep moving forward. Well, who's had to deal with it more than Lane? Tennessee? USC, Oakland, <laughs> under Nick Saban, and yet I'm still here. So is he battle tested? Yes. Is any other coach? Most coaches are not battle tested. They've lost some games. They haven't been battle tested the way dealing with high profile personalities. <laughs> yes, both coach, both as a both as a coordinator with a head coach, as a as a head coach with the freaking owner, and dealing with high profile players like the Reggie Butchers. So I just think that. If you're looking for a guy that's been through everything and say, I'm still here, why not? And Ole Miss, they need a guy that can relate to what the players are dealing with yeah. on top of bringing in the coaching staff and say, look, man, we're going to get scrutinized. We're going to have to ask some questions. And they got nothing to do with us. But when you talk about damage control, <laughs> I'm, I'm your guy. So let's do it. Well, also, for one reason or another, Hugh Freeze, for years, was seemingly the only coach that – really had a level of comfortability coaching against Nick Saban. If you're going to be in the West, that matters. Like, he he beat Nick Saban a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, Lane Kiffin, I mean, who in the country is better suited to kind of have that same, be able to be able to, to cross that same mental hurdle Nobody. as Lane Kiffin? Lane maybe, Kiffin, maybe, Lane maybe, Kiffin but, maybe be- Petrino, maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying from a, because, and, and you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Cause when you think about it, most of these coaches only see it from, you know, being from a coach's standpoint of I, all I know is what coaches go through. I don't know what the players really deal with. Well, I, I, I could tell you from both sides. I could tell you from, like you say, that college football, you know, NCAA sanctions to being ridiculed as a coach, being really driven out of town, really not understanding what I have in front of me. And no matter what, people talk about barometers. Take nothing away from the, the, the three of the Power Five conferences. You want to know how you measure up. And he's been in the SEC before. It didn't work out. Maybe it was just too fast. He's not the, not the best place suited for him, but a place like Ole Miss to where, you know, you can go out and compete right now to where they're going to give you leeway to go out there and, you know, put your, like, staple on this, put your, you know, uh, you know your impression on this, uh, on this uh, institution. I say why not go get it, man, because, look, we are a copycat league no matter what we say. And places like when Chip Kelly get in Florida and depend, and just say Tennessee does get Dan Mullen, Ole Miss like, dude, we got to now. We can't go get a guy that is good at press conferences. We got to get a guy that can coach. So, I, But I think Chip Kelly, that Chip Kelly effect is going to resonate through all these other teams that's going to be looking for new coaches. Um. So, yeah, that would be an interesting trickle down. But um. so, so then with Arkansas – I mean, if I had to throw a couple names out there, I'm looking at the top of the Sun Belt Conference because 
Arkansas State's Blake Anderson, mm-hmm. who I does th- I do, or I do think he's got a fairly substantial buyout. Just with, look, which is reasonable given the one and done years before that. You know they had um, Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. who was one year at Arkansas State. Then Gus Malzahn, and then Brian Harson, who is now at Boise State as the head coach. Um, so they gave they they gave uh, Blake Anderson a pretty substantial buyout. But he's at Arkansas State. He's had a ton of success. That program has won, I think, five of the last six, or at least a share of five of the last six Sun Belt Conference championships. They're probably going to win a share of it again this season, or at least are in the conversation with or in the conversation too. Um, guys become a staple in Arkansas football. Yeah. Um, high And Arkansas high school football, which is most important, Yeah, too. and he's not that. He's 48 years old. I mean, done a really good job. And and I, I've talked to him before. I, I, at Sunbelt Media Day this year, I went and spoke to him, and he was talking about how he likes the area. You know, he's from the area. He enjoys being in Arkansas. That's important. And he was talking about that in regards to Jonesboro, of course. But... I mean, if he moves to it's Fayetteville, like you know, I think there's a similar level of comfortability staying in that state, and maybe he could have some similar success. Where I don't know that Arkansas. I mean, you know, we talked about it with Tennessee. If Tennessee's not an elite job, Arkansas certainly isn't. Yeah. So if you can get but a I, to Arkansas is more coming guy, yeah, your, your that, geographic location matters. Like, yeah, because think about it. Certain places, yeah, you can get them. But when you think about what you just said, I mean, if Blake Anderson, he's at Arkansas State, he understands the landscape that is high school football in Arkansas. He understands what it takes to recruit. Look, why not give him a shot? I mean, because one thing about it is, listen. Coaching in the Sun Belt or coaching in you know smaller conferences, it's just like being a player at a, at a Division One school. I want to know how I measure up with the big boys. And that's not to say I don't respect where I am, but I want to know what type of coach am I on this level. So, And I think certain places, geographic location matters, man. You can't go to Arkansas if you've never lived there, you don't know about it. It's, it it's like it's like it's like uh, Ogeron that we always joke about. Ogeron can only coach certain places. He can't coach in California. <laughs> he just can't. He can't coach in Oregon. He can't coach in Mexico, New Mexico. He can coach in the South, to where dialects are all over. People don't talk the best. It, it just it just happens. People go well. That shouldn't be a factor. Well, well, it does. Ogeron cannot go into a and go to Los Angeles talking about. I want your son to come down here. What? No, it just it's just so I think that Blake Anderson probably will be the best for that Arkansas job because he understands the kids, he understands the location, he understands how to recruit. Because anybody else, not saying they can't get somebody else, but anybody other well, than him. I don't know. I, I would actually throw out another top Sunbelt coach would be Neil Brown, who I mean you don't talk about young. This dude is thirty seven years old, already had a lot of success at Troy. And man, I'm telling you what, this Troy Trojans teams that he's got right now three, four, five guys that are going to play on Sundays. And if he can get guys to go to Troy, which is like I think the smallest town that an FBS program is in, he can get guys to go to Fayetteville. He can coach in the SEC. That guy can recruit. And that guy, I mean, he beat LSU this year. (sighs) Brett Bielman can't beat LSU. Exactly. The same LSU that came back and beat Auburn. Yeah, I mean, Neil Brown is going to be... So they got some good options. Neil Brown's going to be an elite coach. Yeah, they're good options, and maybe they look elsewhere, but I'm just, I'm telling you, I would look to the top of the Sun Belt if I'm I'm Arkansas. Yeah, well, I mean, well, if you got those type of options, I mean, if you can't get Blake Anderson, I mean, you're going down to Detroit... And you look at what they've doing. Cause look, what you do, what your pedigree is, what you do, you know, on the field. And Troy, five guys, five guys gonna be playing on Sunday. You getting guys that want to come to Troy, 
And still, you know, and, and like I said, to go to Troy doesn't mean that you couldn't play at bigger schools. Just that, that just means you got a good recruiter. So, yeah, so Arkansas is in a good place. I think that both Ole Miss and Arkansas is really, really going to be important, just as important as a Tennessee or a Florida higher because you got programs that, you know, traditionally play play good football, play, especially Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss is the only team that can say that, yeah, we've beaten Nick Saban. The last two out of three years. So, yeah, but I but I do think uh, you know hopefully these new guys you know from Troy from Arkansas State get an opportunity to coach on the you know in the SEC. But we'll see what happens. That'll do it for us here on the SEC podcast for Ben Troop. I'm Southern Pixie and editor Jim Johnson, and we'll see you next week.